Well, today we are joined by Ryan Murphy here in Richmond, Virginia, the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Ryan, welcome. Kenny, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. We're here at your stadium, Celts. Well, it's an honor for me to be on this podcast. Really honored. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so today we're going to talk about a couple things. We got a lot of questions from a lot of followers, and we're going to kind of just go through what your journey's been like and just kind of feel some stuff out. So you are a fifth round pick out of a D2 school, which is pretty rare. Lemoyne College. With the 144th pick of the 2020 MLB draft, the San Francisco Giants select right-handed pitcher Ryan Murphy from Lemoyne College. What what was that whole thing like going to a D2 and then just kind of ending up where you're at right now? Well, first of all, shout out Lemoyne College for going D1. They're going to be joining the NEC now, so that's really cool for all you guys that want to go to college. That's a good option for sure. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question again? Oh, the question was, what was it like, you know, going to a D2 program? I know you went to a high school around us yeah. in New York, but ended up at a D2, Lemoyne, and then ended up getting drafted as early as the fifth round. Pretty unheard of. Yeah, no, I mean, when it came down to that whole recruiting process, um, I had to be real with myself, first of all. You know, I was a senior in high school throwing about 85 to 87, and uh, I threw strikes. I knew my worth and I really wanted to play D1 baseball. That was obviously my huge goal as a little kid. And uh, unfortunately, the cards kind of fell where they did. And well, I guess not unfortunately, because everything worked out the way mm -hmm. it did. And I really loved my time at Lemoyne and I made a lot of great friends there. And the coaching staff was awesome and the facility was great. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, like it came down to an ego thing. It was, do I want to fill my ego and go to U Albany and be a walk on? Could have been with you. Could have been, you you. Could have been teammates. We could have known each other a lot earlier. Um, yeah, so I could have been a walk on at U Albany and get no money, and you know, basically take a chance on myself, or take the money at Lemoyne, and you know, and every coach is going to say like, you know, they're going to guarantee you a spot in the you know mm. rotation, or you're going to be a big piece of the puzzle. But I really felt that was true when I talked to Scott Cassidy at Lemoyne, and. Uh, yeah, so I just kind of went where I felt most wanted at the end of the day and knew that I was going to get an opportunity to play and grow as a player. And I felt like with Scott, again, he was in the big leagues, so he knew a lot about pitching. And I knew that working under him, like I could develop as a better pitcher. Awesome. I mean, yeah, Lemoyne is definitely known now for, as a powerhouse for pitching. I mean, you got you, you got Coach Sam Burns, another Velo U <laughs> guy, and you got JoJo Gray, a power yeah. starter on Nationals in the big league. I mean, that's quite the rotation for a D2 school and to end up where they're at just a couple of years later. Yeah, dude, they were great at recruiting because, you know, again, Scott, great recruiter and knows how to pitch and he knows, he knows good pitchers from bad pitchers. And yeah, I mean, JoJo is kind of like, one of those guys where he's just super athletic and you put him on a mound and he just threw gas and then he just learned how to be a great pitcher. So now he's in the bigs just shoving. So, yeah, I mean, we always knew he was an athlete. I played against him in high school too. He was a shortstop mostly. I saw him pitch like once in high school. Yeah. But then I remember I didn't like, follow him or anything. And then I was like, oh, yeah, did just he just get drafted. Quick that twitch, <laughs> really strong dude, really athletic. Awesome. So take me through, you had your time at Lemoyne and then, you know, you're getting more serious and that's looking more and more like you're going to get drafted. Boom, COVID hits. Draft day, what's that like? Yeah, I didn't really go into expecting much. I remember my uh, my coach was telling me that I was gaining some interest, you know, from from teams, um, Giants being one of them. Uh, and, you know, I had, like, some pre-draft meetings in, at LeMoyne, only met with a few guys, but, uh, 
Yeah, going into draft day, when it got shortened to five rounds, and my buddy was basically like, texting me, hey, man, like, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, it, it sucks, you know, like, basically kind of assuming that I wasn't going to get drafted. And I'm not going to lie, like, I wasn't going to sit there and say that I was confident I was going to get drafted within those five rounds. I thought if it was a 10-round draft, I'd have a shot. And, you know, the cards fell, the cards fell where they did. And uh, luckily, like, I got picked up by a great organization like the Giants, and it's been awesome the day i got drafted i was just watching the tv with my family we were just watching the drafts just you never know so and worst case scenario we're, we're just gonna watch it anyways even if we didn't get drafted and um we were just watching it and then i was talking to my agent at the time and you know he was just texting me like hey like giants find like some interest in you i was like cool 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 didn't really think of it and then the giants picked him up in the fifth round and they went to the commercial break and you know, it just took forever to to finally come back to television, and and they called my name, and Matt Vasquez said my name, and it was just a really, really cool experience. And my family went nuts, I went nuts, and then we kind of had a little celebration afterwards, and it was probably one of the best nights of my life. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. It's it's cool that it just went from like you know you had some expectations, and then like COVID really messed yeah. everything up for everything, and you're just like, okay, there's only five rounds. Yeah, it, it, it was looking bleak. Yeah. But then, cool to have your name called, and then, you know, you're here now at this beautiful stadium, double A. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. So, third year of pro ball right now, right? Third year? Yeah, this is third year, yeah. What would you say, this is a question we got asked a lot, what would you say is the biggest noticeable difference between, like, a college baseball setting and a pro baseball setting? Obviously, the talent is going to be significantly better. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I didn't go D1, so it's a little different story for me, but... Compared to D2, I mean, there are guys in D2 that could really smash. Like, there are guys that can absolutely rake, but they only had one tool, and that just wasn't enough to get you in mm-hmm. professional baseball. Like, you got to have multiple uh, facets of your game, whether it's speed, power, contact, fielding ability, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, you would run into some good hitters in D2, but when it comes to pro ball, um, you know, they're just all around better baseball players. And then on top of that, as you go up the ladder, uh, more guys have more disciplined approaches, you know, they're, they know the strike zone better. They know what they want to hit. They know what they're looking for. They have a concrete plan, uh, at the plate. And, you know, and again, they're getting paid to do that, you know, in college, you know, you're just kind of trying to just trying to win at all costs. Um, but it's, it's a little different environment when you know that like, this is your job on the line. Absolutely. I mean, I've only been to one double A game. Obviously I'm going to be attending tonight's game and your start tomorrow, but I've been to one double A game. That was actually this team playing in Hartford yeah. about either last year or the year before mm-hmm. that. And that was, I I was like, whoa, this is actually extremely high level baseball. I feel like everybody's throwing absolute gas. Yeah. I saw a dude hit a ball literally out of the stadium. Yeah, no, double A is no joke. Double A is the talent is all big league talent. You know, mm-hmm. like to get to this point, like you have to have big league talent. It's just now who is going to execute more often than not? Who's going to stay disciplined more often than not? Who's going to be mentally tough to you're gonna run. I mean, you're gonna run into struggles. Like this is a tough league to hit in. This is a tough league to uh, adjust to in general. When you're going from high A to double A, it's Absolutely. the biggest jump in baseball besides the big leagues. Yeah. So, that, you know, that's what I've noticed too. I mean, like I said, I've just watched from the stands, but double A seems very, very. It's legit. really competitive. This is this is quality baseball. It's, yeah. it's quality baseball. I mean, you got a beautiful stadium. What are the crowds like here? What's it like playing in front of a big crowd? Because I know we were talking to Joe Lasorsa when he was he made his MLB debut, one of our longest standing VLU guys. He made his MLB debut last week, and I was talking to him like, all right, tell me for real, what was it like? Yeah. You went out there, he was facing Marcus Stroman out mm-hmm. of the pen. 
a sold out day game Wrigley Field. And he's basically like, I couldn't hear anything. In what? the sense that he just he like just, like blocked, blocked out blocked everything, out. He just yeah. didn't hear anything. Yeah, I, I feel like obviously this is not the big leagues, but you know the crowds that here, you know, it's I think the average about like seven thousand. You know, especially towards the weekend, you know, they really really pick it up. Mm. Um, the crowd here is awesome. The fans are so loyal and they're just great people too. Like they're very personal. You know, like. I know quite a few of them just mm-hmm. like just from going down and signing autographs and they're always there in the same spot, season ticket holders, you know. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're just great people and the, fa- and the fans here are great. Um, but it's definitely more of a motivator when you're playing in front of a bigger crowd versus when you're playing in empty stands. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, you look at the facility ball stuff, you got yeah. maybe a parent in the stands, yeah. if that. The drilling kicks in a little bit, but at the same time, you still, you know, you get used to it after a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. So what I wanted to go in here is I put up on our story beforehand before coming out here, ask you a question. A lot of our followers are mostly high school and college guys, so they're going to want to hear stuff from their perspective. Obviously, a lot of them probably don't know pro baseball players, so talking to one or getting answers mm-hmm. is good insight they like. So I'm going to just rattle through. <laughs> I'm going to just rattle through a couple of questions here. Um, so one of the questions we got was, what was your velo throughout high school and what do you top right now? Yeah, uh, like I said earlier, I think it was like 85, 87 maybe. And I just tried to throw strikes more often than that. What year was that? More of senior year? That was senior year. I think, I think uh, my junior year, I was like 83 to 86. Freshman year, it was probably like 80 to 84. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sophomore year, was 80 to 84. Freshman year, was probably like 78 to 82. So it just incrementally went up as time went on. Um, but now I've topped at 95. Uh, pretty much sit comfortably like 91, 94. Cool. Cool. Question number two that we got. When you feel that your command might be slipping, you're having a day where you're just, you're just not hitting the strike zone the way you want, what's your best way to you know break out of that? Maybe adjust in game or adjust yeah. over you know the time before your next outing? Yeah, it's tough. And I've had my experiences when I've kind of lost it for a little bit. I feel like everyone kind of goes through a time like that, especially when you're trying to get better you tend to actually make yourself worse sometimes just by fixing what's not broken. And then you put yourself in a situation where now you're not used to the mechanics you're throwing with. But that being said, um, you try and go back to basics. You know, you just try to think of the things that like are just so simple and you're not, you can't think too much. You can't even think about your mechanics at that point. You just have to think about trusting yourself and, and repping it out, honestly. It, and sometimes it, it doesn't come back right away. You know, it doesn't, it's not just going to happen just like that. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you just get locked back in if you just think about the right cues that you know you're normally used to, and that's different for everybody. Uh, but yeah, I would just say thinking about going back to the basics and like just simplifying everything and not trying to do too much. Do you have a specific cue? Maybe like say you're in, I don't know, the third inning of a start, mm-hmm. and that inning's just not going well. Like you're, you're just not hitting your spots the way you were in the first two innings. How do you lock back in for the fourth once you get out of it? Well, first of all, I think it depends on what I have that day. You know, I'm not going to, if I'm in a jam, I'm going to go to what's working well, whether it's my fastball command or my slider command or whatever the case may be. Uh, if it's one pitch is working really well, then I'm going to throw that pitch. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. It's yeah, a tough it's, game. Yeah. It's not easy. One of the most common questions we get, and you're going to hate this one, and I hate this one too. What's the best way to increase velo? <laughs> As if there's one answer. To yeah, there is. If I knew the answer, <laughs> then I would give you a real answer. But to be honest, the best way to increase velo, depending on your age, 
Um, you know, sometimes it comes down to mechanics of a certain guy. Sometimes it just comes down to how big you are. You know, if you're a 13 year old and you're like a 90 pounds soaking wet, then like, you know, maybe put some muscle on, right. you know, maybe put, eat, start eating some more, you know, also like you're just going to go through a growth spurt at some point too. Like you just got to kind of trust the process. That's why I really do believe in guys that like when you're a kid, you should just be focusing on how to actually pitch and how to control your body and just letting it come naturally. That's basically what happened to me was mm-hmm. that, you know, I just kind of let it come naturally. And obviously like I would get into the gym, uh, but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't crazy chase velo. I was more worried about like being able to throw the ball to both sides of the plate and, and throwing strikes when I needed to in certain situations. Um, obviously the game's changed now and like you can see like high school kids are getting a clear advantage over other high school kids because there's so much stuff that's out there. Yeah. And you know, even going to literally just going to VLU, like it's just like they have access to all these things and it's it's pretty easy to get better now yeah you know and like there's high school kids that just constantly throw 88 to 92 right. like it's nobody's business like back when i was playing like 85 87 was pretty good if i saw 88 in high school i was like you were losing yeah, this game if there's you nothing saw, we can do about it yeah if you saw 88 like you're like this kid is gross and you saw 90 you thought he was getting drafted that right year. he was going in the first round that year. yeah so another question that was sent in is you know again coming from a smaller school and like, yeah, also high school too. Like you went to Ketchum. They're a pretty good baseball school. Yeah. Definitely beat me in the section championship, you know, <laughs> once. But um, what would you say is the best way to get kind of on a coach's radar, whether that be, you know, college or pro? Okay. Well, um, first of all, you got to play. Right. And um, it, it's tough for some kids. Like I know Ketchum was really competitive to find a spot to play in. Mm-hmm. Um stacked team yeah like i i came up as a a, a sophomore i came up as a second baseman uh and i was playing second and i played two games one game went good the other game went not so good and i immediately got sat down uh and then i just kind of went up to my coach and said like i want to find a way to contribute to this team i don't want to ride the bench my whole sophomore year and rot so i ended up pitching in the back cages and i just so happened to pitch well and sure enough like i got my opportunity and i kind of just took it and ran with it uh, and that's kind of where I really fell in love with pitching. Um, but yeah, to get on coaches radars, I mean, like it's, it's weird now, you know, there's a lot of like showcase money grabs that you got to watch out yeah, for. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, I think like if you can really like put yourself out there, you know, like go to like those PBR events or go to like to those mass coaching events versus if you get the ones like I had one with, I think, and they asked me to come to a camp and I think I paid like $200 just to go. Mm. Didn't even sniff an offer. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, and it was just a waste of money, some money grab. And, you know, I think the coach ended up leaving like after that anyways, too, mm. on top of that. But, you know, I think if you can just really, you know, get on a good travel team that's going to some good tournaments, you know, and just play well. I mean, obviously you're not going to get any interest if you're not playing well. Right. Yeah. I think it's just what it comes down to. We see so many kids end up on these summer teams where it's like, yeah, I'm on this big name summer team. Yeah. Okay. But you don't play. You play. You don't play. You don't get an opportunity opportunity to show how good you are. And you get taken out in the third innings. Right. Well, it's like, that's not going to. Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, and I played for like my local high school's team. Mm -hmm. uh, And so I was, you know, playing shortstop every day and and pitching the first game of the tournaments. You know what I mean? So like, and you know, I'm very grateful for that. Like, it's not like something that's just handed out. Yeah. Right. But like, you know, if you get the opportunity to play 
take that opportunity. And I know a lot of guys that played for like what Taconic Rangers or like, you know, just some like showcase teams around New York. That, see a ton of success. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, next question is what is currently your pitch arsenal? So what pitches do you have? Um, forcing fastball, slider, curveball, changeup, and cutter. I just learned to cutter this last offseason. It's still kind of a work in progress, but it's been a pretty pretty gnarly pitch when I throw it to lefties. And honestly, I've been throwing it to righties too. It's just been kind of like that. It almost kind of plays like a changeup in a sense that like if I can just throw it in the zone and have like that fastball look to it, but it's just a little slower. You know, you get a lot more weaker contact. Cool. Um, but I think the bread and butter for me is just my fastball slider combo. Right. That's what I typically go to. Um, and then, you know, the curveball is more of just so like a strike stealer, just like, you know, when they're not expecting it or maybe if I'm setting up, you know, another pitch, it's not necessarily like my strikeout pitcher by any means, but gotcha. same thing with the changeup. It's just kind of like if I'm in a jam and like, I know a guy sitting fastball, maybe I'll just mix in a changeup, just to keep them honest. Um, cool. Next one is how often do you throw bullpens in season versus the off season? In season, two times a week. Um, and uh, I think I kind of made that more concrete this year, um, more so than the past. Yeah, and when you first get into pro ball, like you're throwing every day, you're playing every day, and you, your, your rest time is shorter. Um, but like now that I've got a good routine down and I'm feeling pretty good, I can go two times a week now and not feel run down. In the off season, I think it's... Just, well, it depends on what point of the off season I'm at. You know, if it's like, you know, I just getting back into it, I don't probably throw a bullpen for a while. Probably more so just playing catch and yeah. stuff like that. But like when it comes down to like we're about to leave to go to spring training, I think I'm at like one, maybe two bullpens a week. And again, it kind of just more so depends on how I'm feeling and and, and like during the time and, and all that stuff. But I just got to make sure that I'm listening to my body in the offseason because yeah. I don't want to overdo it. At the same time, you're trying to get better. Stuff. It's not because like, baseball's not like basketball where you could just go to the gym right. and just shoot a million shots in a row. Like as a pitcher, like, you got to use that time really, really yeah. wisely. And you only get so many pitches in a bullpen before your arm starts to hurt. And then you're causing self injuries. And, and then you're not even playing at all. You're not even getting better at all. So um, you just got to make sure that like, you're listening to your body, uh, especially in season. And in the offseason, no matter what, like if you're feeling good, throw that bullpen. Just make sure you're not throwing too much. Yeah. That's definitely an issue. Having a plan is basically mandatory. If yeah. You want to play at the next level. Yeah. So I like this question that you got. It was, when did you officially put down the bat? <laughs> uh, well, freshman year of college. I, like senior year, high school, freshman year of college, for sure. Freshman year of college, I didn't touch a bat ever again. But senior year was pretty much like, well, actually... Kind of like junior year. I would more so just hit just for the fun of it. Like if we were blowing a team out, then like they put me in the game to hit. Oh, you know, nice. just like, yeah, if I was if we like to none. But like, yeah, hitting stopped. Hitting stopped the minute that I proved that I could actually throw a ball off now. Okay. You know, and, and that was just the way Ketchum ran it. Um, but it honestly gave me more time to actually focus on my craft on the mound and yeah. like, you know. But I, I will say that I think it's important that like kids, you know, try to hold on to that as much as they can. Um, and, and just do what you love. So if it's you love to hit, then you just stick with that. And if you love to pitch, then go with that. For me, it was just I love to pitch more than I like to hit. I yeah. never really felt like a dominant, comfortable hitter in the box ever. I like to you know play the field. I thought that was fun. But I can do that while I'm pitching too. So <laughs> Exactly. All right, I got two more for you. The next one is you have your start tomorrow. You're starting the Saturday game. Mm-hmm. You get to wear some cool uniforms. <laughs> 
what is your routine basically today? Like I showed up here today, you were already getting your throwing in, you were getting your running in, but like what does that routine really look like before a start? Yeah, so today um, I'm more so just kind of taking it light. Well, I guess light in volume, but I'm still kind of keeping the uh, intensity like moderate to, you know, somewhat high just to like, you know, making sure that I'm not like feeling super rusty. I like to um, do stuff that's called like CNS training. And it's like central nervous system stuff where I just kind of get the like my nervous system going with if I'm doing some like jumping stuff, some short sprints. Um, but more or less just like taking it really light on these kind of days and really not trying to max out my body. Uh, you know, maybe do some like mobility and stuff like that too, just to kind of keep me feeling good. Um, tomorrow, um, let's see, like tomorrow I'll wake up. Oh, sorry. There's someone just got hit. Uh, tomorrow, I'll come in and I'll pretty much just sit around and just kind of try and lock in. It's tough because, you know, you get to the field early and like you don't really do anything until game time. I think game time's at 6.30 tomorrow. So I'll probably start my routine at about an hour and a half before the game. I'll, I'll meet with a trainer and he'll uh, do some, you know, soft tissue stuff to get me, you know, feeling good and moving correctly. And then I'll do my my warm-up prep routine before I go out and stretch, and that would just be like, um, you know, doing some isometric holds just to kind of get the blood flow and feeling strong um, and getting a little loose, make sure my hips are stretched out. About an hour from game time, roughly, so about a half hour from game time, I'll go out and I'll start stretching uh, and then do my plyo routine, my rewires. Uh, and the thing I'm focusing on in catch play is just competing and feeling good i'm not trying to think about anything else i'm not trying to think about creating velo i'm not thinking about um you know how my body should be moving and all that stuff more so just feeling good feeling loose just letting it rip in the outfield and then i get on the mound and i do my whole pitching routine which for me is just you know two fastballs in now and i'll throw two of my every pitch in my arsenal pretty much so like two curveballs two sliders and then take a break get back on go one time through again and then it's game time awesome Last question for you, and I think I can actually answer this for you. What does a day in the life look like? I am going to be following you around a little bit tomorrow, kind of get your routine, see what's going on. So stay tuned for the YouTube video for that. And um, yeah, I'll let you go now. BP just started for the Flying Squirrels, taking on the Altoona Curve tonight. And yeah, it's kind of all I got. So nice. thanks for you know, letting me enjoy the stadium and yeah, dude. two good ball games here. Yeah, hope you enjoy it. Thanks for having me, Kenny. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Appreciate it. Ha <laughs> ha